to confession. When I was working on this talk, I actually went to confession. Because I was like writing it, and the Lord was just convicting my heart. Um, and when he was speaking to me, and um, yeah, I was just like, I need more of the Lord and less of me. So actually, I hope that's kind of maybe something we can take out of this talk together, is the Lord convicting our hearts, um, moving towards him and away from uh, what's not of him. You guys cool with that? So... Why am, why am I here? I'm here because we're already playing, playing the flame season. This is like, this is what we're doing. Like, welcome back to school. We don't waste any time. It's fan of flame time. Uh, two weeks in a day is when we, we, go to, we go to the retreat center. So I think the, the tendency is to kind of go on fan of flame and be like, all right, it's two weeks away. Like, God's going to work in two weeks. Can't wait. It's going to be sweet. I'll invite some friends. It'll be great. But that, I, I want to, like, I want to kill that attitude. So I think, I don't think I know the Lord actually works in us as a people and prepares us as a people these coming weeks to go on fan to flame and receive what he has for us, even now. So he wants to build our faith as a people so that we can go and be more effective and receive what he has for us on the actual weekend. So we just kind of like do a couple preparations, you know, like make sure the food's going to be there, which is really what all the things Maddie's doing. We just kind of like make Maddie do all the hard work and we invite some people to show up. I think we're just being lazy because the Lord wants to speak to us now. He wants to work in us now and, and mold our hearts for this now. So you guys ready? Okay, we're going to start with a really, um, it's not really a trick question, but it's a funny question. Why does SPO exist? Think about a lot of questions. Why does SPO exist? You want to hear the answer I wrote down? Yeah. I won't make you guys say stocks. Like, like, what are you going to say, John? Like, what did you say? It probably wouldn't be wrong. But what I said was, because God wants it to. Why does SPO exist? Because God wants it to. Because here's how it started, brothers and sisters. So, um, in the 1970s, there was this building in the middle of St. Paul, Minnesota, like close to downtown, called the St. Paul Youth Center. And like we don't do this anymore. It's like an old structure that the church used to have because we had like youth ministries in our parishes now. But back then, that wasn't the case. Um, so they had this youth center, and like all a bunch of parishes would send their kids there. They had programs, they had stuff going on. It was, it was a happy place. But the problem was the staff there was just kind of another, another parish program, and you know it wasn't amazing, but it wasn't bad. It was just like. Good things were happening there, but it was just, it was just existing. Um, and then the charismatic renewal hit it. So much of those leaders went on a Life in the Spirit seminar, like a fan of flame type retreat, and they got lit up. They experienced the Holy Spirit breaking into their life in a new way. They knew the Father's love, and their lives were completely transformed. And they brought that back to the youth center, and it completely changed people's lives, like the orientation of their lives. The, the phrase that was going around a lot in those, those days was, for too long we'd just been giving people good advice. And we've been withholding from them the good news. Yeah. And the good news actually transformed their hearts. And the Holy Spirit came into life in a new way. And things were, things were rolling. Things were going. And what happened was a bunch of these people started to experience this call to like live in a more intentional community together, to be on mission in a new way. Their prayer took on a new depth. Worship became uh, incredibly vibrant. Um, actually, Gordy we actually went into one of these prayer meetings, and he wasn't really interested in much religious things at the time. But he had some deep questions in his life. And he actually was one of the two guys who just sat in the back on the radiator and just kind of like watched because he was just like intrigued by like how powerfully these people were praying. And pretty soon he was swept in. And um, during the summers, these, um, all these youth, and the youth, these are like 18 to like 25 year olds. Uh, so kind of college age, actually. So maybe some younger, but the youth center means like kind of that age group. And they started doing retreats all around the area in the summer. They'd travel there in a van. Well, that became Net Ministries. Um, but before it was Net Ministries, it was just a bunch of 
people led with the Holy Spirit doing retreats all over the place. And Gordy kind of helped get this off the ground and was leading it. And then one of the leaders at the youth center said, hey, Gordy, we want to start a college outreach. We think you're great for it. Would you want to do this? And he goes, no. I'm like, okay, please. He's like, sure, I'll check it out. So he goes to Michigan, where a lot of the charismatic renewal was really began, and they had some more vibrant college outreaches there. So we learned he lived in household for a summer, lived, brought it back to the University of St. Thomas, and it exploded. Like, we're talking like 200 plus people involved, like, first two years, like, hundreds of people experiencing renewal in their faith in this college community, this new worship, this new relationship with the Lord. And it just, it grew massively. Um, and then part of this youth center grace, too, is people I said people have this experience of community. They want to live well, the uh, community of Christ's Redeemer, a covenant community came out of this. And families started growing together and growing together and living together. Um, in the summer of 1989, there were 120 men and women living in a summer household at St. Thomas. That's pretty ridiculous. So there was just this massive movement of the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't, um, there's two foundational scripture verses. I think they're in your outline. During this time, the Lord kind of like offered to the leaders as like, as, as they built. One was Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. So kind of just right off the bat, remind them who's in charge here. Like you can have all the perfect schemes in the world, but I am the author of this work. And if it's going to grow, it's because of my grace and my power. Second one, John 15, 5. I am the vine... You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Again, the Lord just emphasizing, like, this isn't your clever idea. And what I love about SPO is this whole thing didn't start in some back room with Gordy smoking a cigar being like, how are we going to make this work? Like, the Holy Spirit brought this about. The Holy Spirit um, wanted SPO to exist, so it does. So it did, and now it does. And... And the Holy Spirit is our engine today. Amen? Amen. So this thing, this, this SPO thing, this thing goes nowhere without the Holy Spirit. It goes nowhere. This is just, it's just a clever idea without the Holy Spirit. So and what I want to say is at the heart of this, um, our call, is this new life in the Holy Spirit. This experience of our relationship with God transforming, of our worship of him becoming more vibrant and alive of the experience of community and like, the importance of brothers and sisters in our life and sacrificing for them. Um, all this is at the center of what we do. And the, the primary vehicle the Lord's accomplished this in his church, not just SBO, we're part of his church, and this movement is through baptism in the Holy Spirit, the grace of baptism in the Holy Spirit. That's how he's been accomplishing this really since the 60s, um, which is, we can get into a whole different, but I was reading some history today, and it's fascinating. Just I was reading like pre-Vatican II stuff, what they say the church, and then like, like what the Holy Spirit was doing, like, and uh, Pope John XXIII, and Vatican II, and then, like, all this stuff, the church just, like, opened up in, like, new horizons, and, like, what they say is they open up the windows and, like, let in let in some fresh air from, um, and all this stuff changed, and people took the change to be funky ways, but the Council Fathers were persistent and constant about the need for the Holy Spirit to accomplish this ongoing transformation of the work. Because they knew that after Vatican II, everything wasn't like, well, we figured it out, it's going to be perfect. They knew this would be a painful transformation. And, like, we're still, honestly, brothers and sisters, coming out of that. There's been a lot of confusion, it's been, it's been hard, but there's been great grace. And the, the God's gift to this time in the church has been this renewal in the Holy Spirit. Millions of Catholics and Christians around the world have experienced this renewal. And it has untold, um, untold fruit. You can't even count the fruit that's born in the life of the church. So, baptism of the Holy Spirit. What is baptism of the Holy Spirit? So, the entire New Testament is alive with the fact that, that the early Christians were able to experience the presence of the Spirit in them and among them. 
we're going to go through some some uh, some New Testament stuff here. But when I I want to kind of dig into the word experience a little bit with that. So when we say experience, we can think like a powerful emotional experience. And that's part of that, sure. But experience is also it's it's a broader word than just that. So let's say um, I hear Tim talk about his dad all the time. And like I hear conceptually about Tim's dad, and I can picture him, and maybe show me a picture so I have an idea what he looks like, maybe, but never talk to the guy. But when I meet Tim's dad, and I hear him talk, and I hear his jokes, maybe a sense of humor, how he relates to Tim, now I've experienced Tim's dad. And maybe it wasn't a super emotional like encounter, but the fact is I've experienced Tim's dad now, and my relationship with him is different. I can put the phone and call him, and it's just it's just different. So that's what I mean by experience. Like, can it be emotional, powerful? you over yes but it could be also be just like experience of that person you guys track with me on that i want to like broaden that word a little bit for us so here we go uh new testament is alive with the holy spirit um doing crazy things and this this isn't just like the temptation to say yeah the old testament or the new testament that's like that's stuff from like way long ago john it's not it's not for us today but what the charismatic renewal is really doing is showing us like no no this is like for us today the spirit that works then is the same spirit alive today and there's different challenges here that we have to address. It's the same spirit animating our lives. So even at the Last Supper, Jesus said, The Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you everything and remind you of all I have said to you. So the Holy Spirit is important. He's gonna, the Father is going to send him in his name. He's going to teach us everything and remind us of what Jesus said to us. So here we go. I'm going to move pretty quick here. But here's just an act, just an Acts of the Apostles. Okay, We're going to go through eight instances where the Holy Spirit shows up. So, Acts 4, when the Christians in Jerusalem prayed for courage to speak the gospel, Acts 4 says, quote, The house where they were assembled rocked. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to proclaim the word of God boldly. Okay, the house where they were at rocked, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to proclaim the, God, the word of God boldly. This was after Pentecost. So this is like a refilling of the disciples and those gathered there. Acts, Acts 7, Stephen was, quote, filled with the Holy Spirit and was able to gaze into heaven and see Jesus. Acts 8, Philip was led by the Spirit to the Ethiopian eunuch. The scripture is very clear about it. And then after the, their conversation, the Spirit, like, drew him away or led him away. Um, and that was a powerful moment. That was, that was a story where the Ethiopian eunuch was, like, they're traveling on a road and he's reading the Old Testament scriptures. And Philip's, like, got... Holy Spirit told Philip to go talk to him, so he did. He's like, hey, what you reading? He's like, uh, Isaiah. He's like, do you know what you're reading? He goes, how would I know unless someone instructs me? Philip's like, oh, that's why I'm here. Thank you, Jesus. Um, powerful story. Acts 16 says, Paul was led by the Spirit in his missionary journeys. Um, it talks about how they're traveling through the Galatian countryside, having been told by the Holy Spirit to not to preach the word in Asia. When they reached the frontier of Mysia, they thought to cross into Bithynia, but as the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them, they went through Mysia and down through Tros. So the Spirit actually leading Paul clearly on his missionary journeys. Acts 11, the Holy Spirit spoke um, to Agabus when he foretold a great famine um, during one of their good old-fashioned prayer meetings and gatherings. Uh, Acts 13, the church at Antioch, while they were gathered there, the Spirit uh, told them to set aside Paul and Barnabas for, for, uh, for ministry work to travel. Acts 20, before Paul was taken prisoner by the Romans, the Spirit repeatedly warned him about what was to come, that he was going to be taken prisoner. Um, but, and Cantalon Mesa talked about this, the most important thing the Spirit did for the early Christians, you guys ready for this? 
He let them experience God's love for them and let them experience a union with God. The most important thing, that's Romans 8. The spirit you received is not the spirit of slaves bringing fear into your life again. It is the spirit of sons and makes us cry out, Abba, Father. The spirit himself and our spirit bear, bear united witness that we are children of God. The love of God poured into our hearts. So here's the thing. Most Christians today aren't living a life in the spirit. This is, this is, this is Cantula Mesa talking here. This isn't like John's opinion. Like I, I can pull most people, but I, I think we can experience that in our life, right? Most Catholics today are not experiencing life in the spirit. If you ask them, like, is there, do they desire to worship God? Is their prayer life alive and vibrant? Is God close to them? Like they might say, yeah, God's around. He helps me out. He, he, you know, he like, he's a good guy. I go to Mass and I experience him and it's really great. But most Christians today don't live a life of the Spirit. I think I would say, Cantalaza says, most Christians live their lives based on doctrine. They were taught about Christ and how to live as Christians. Uh, if they stuck around long enough, well, they decided to do it. They're trying to pattern their life according to Christ, all good and noble things. They believe that Christ is real, that he hears them, he helps them. They don't feel like they're in much contact with them. They don't experience his presence, nor do they see things happen which they can tell like are his workings. Do you guys track with me on that? Is that mm-hmm. do you agree, you agree with that point? Um, what we know is that the Holy Spirit changes that. The Holy Spirit changes that. People begin to experience that the Holy Spirit is with them. They begin. Here's some effects of what happens. Um, and the Holy Spirit enters a life in a new way and stirs up baptismal graces. It says, they begin to praise God and worship him with a new freedom. They experience scripture coming alive. Christian doctrines, which might seem like stale rules before, start to make sense. They're seeing a greater holistic picture of God's plan for humanity. They experience a new ability to talk to people about Christ. They experience a deeper peace and joy. They experience a new understanding of community life and its importance to maturity. They are drawn to being a part of a people and being formed in the body of Christ. They experience the Holy Spirit leading the community in worship and being guided by the Spirit and being taught by the Spirit. They're even given charisms and experience these living charisms of the Holy Spirit working and operating in their lives. So brothers and sisters, this is the life of the Spirit. This is central to the RSBL. So We can have a tendency to kind of hide this in SPO or like downplay this. And like, look, we're evangelists. I'll get to that in a second. Um, but make no mistake, SPO is not SPO. SPO is not SPO if we are not faithfully preaching baptism in the Holy Spirit as God's gift and action in the church today. So two qualifiers for that. One, again, we have to be smart about this. We're, we're evangelistic. So you meet a guy for the first time, we talk, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Like... There's so much more for you. They're like, whoa, slow down. Like, I, just, I just met you. So, you know, we redraw. That's why we don't really, like, leave with this all the time. That's why Fan of Flames actually into January, beginning of February. Because, like, we've met people. We've been walking with them. And there's trust built up. And God's stirring in their hearts. And then this treats a great next step for people to, to kind of see the fuller picture of what we have, praise God, been seeing and God's been doing in our life. Right? So there's kind of this, this strategic part of that. Um, but, yeah, that's all I'll say there. Um, kind of qualifier number two. I'm not saying that baptism in the Holy Spirit is the only way to live a holy life. Like, th- you have to walk through this spe- specific door. And if you do it this right way, then, like, check. That's not, that's not what I'm saying. Um, but what I am saying is, I think I would say all the saints, and then Cantal makes, makes the same point, all the saints have experienced 
life in the Spirit. And this is an awesome way that God is sparking life in the Spirit in millions of Christians, is through baptism in the Holy Spirit, this experience, going on a life in the Spirit seminar, hearing uh, the gospel proclaimed, and then claiming Jesus' glory, life, and power of the Holy Spirit, asking to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's a powerful way the Lord is bringing about this grace in the country, in the world. But um, it doesn't need to happen in necessarily a cookie-cutter way. I know people who've experienced this release in the Holy Spirit. Like, uh, I know one guy who experienced it while he was walking in his field. He was like a farmer. Praise God. I know people in personal prayer. God just does it. God's not bound by our little structures and retreats. But this is a powerful way that he does it. So here's, here's an analogy, okay? So this is one of our greatest gifts, and we'd be stupid not to use it. So here's the analogy. Um, it's like if there was a steak restaurant um, over close to ODU, right? And we all operated a steak restaurant. And we loved serving Salisbury steak. You guys know what that is? Yeah. It's like shop steak. You have that in New Jersey, don't you? <laughs> it's a New Jersey thing. It's basically like, it's not steak. It's like, it's like hamburger meat that they like plop a bunch of sauce and mushrooms on. And you probably had a cafeteria when you were growing up in elementary school. But then God shows up and he's like, hey, here's like a ribeye steak. And here's how to cook it. And it's delicious. And we were like, no, no, we like our other steak better. He's like, no, no, I have like a gift for you. Do you want to use this and make your restaurant better? And we'd be like, no, we like our old one better. That's like us like saying no to baptism in the Holy Spirit. Like God's given us this gift. We didn't make this thing up. And for, we want to serve what God's given us to be true. I think I wrote here, um, it says, so if you're sitting here tonight, like, John, I hear you, but I don't think baptism in the Holy Spirit is for me, I would ask the question, why would you show up to a steak restaurant and order the chicken tendies? You wouldn't. You wouldn't. You, you order the delicious thing in the menu that God has given you. And that's just, that's, that's what he's given us, and that's what we're, that's what we're serving. Uh, again, we didn't make this thing up. So, we got a couple of directions here. Um, let's dig into baptism of the Holy Spirit. Let's do that. You guys ready? So this is kind of like a, uh, this, is, this is actually not 100% on your outline, so it takes some notes in the margin. Um, but what I want to dig into is, um, Baptism of the Holy Spirit is not necessarily like an idea, but it's an experience. We don't, I, I don't control it, I don't understand it, to be honest, like, this is, this is God's action in the church today. And he does, what, the Spirit blows where it wills, right? God is not tamed by us. God is infinitely larger than us. There's just a way that he's working that we offer to people. So, baptism of the Holy Spirit, at its core, um, is being filled with the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is actually the love of God. We know that from our Trinitarian theology. Um, I'm not a theologian, but I do understand that um, Father um, gives himself fully to the Son, Son gives himself fully back to the Father, and the love between them is the Holy Spirit. The spiration of love, I think, is the word they use. So, the Holy Spirit actually is the love of God. So if we are filled with the Holy Spirit, what are we filled with? The love of God. And this isn't like a, uh, and scripture is pretty clear about this. It's not like, we were baptized today, like my little kid was baptized a couple months ago and like they kind of like dripped some water on his head. That was great. That, that worked. The baptism back in the day was like, <laughs> shove you in the water. Like an immersion. And that's what scripture is pretty clear about with talking about this, the, the Holy Spirit. It's, it's not a dripping of the Holy Spirit. It's an immersion. It's a filled with the Holy Spirit. It's this like Niagara Falls of grace filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're experiencing and that's what we're seeing these days. So 
And uh, in many people's lives, if you ask them their experience, like, you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit? Yeah. Well, what did you experience? A lot of people will say um, they became deeply aware, they became deeply aware of what it means to be loved by God. And that's, that's like, there's different ways to say that, different people with different understandings, but like, at its foundation, it's becoming deeply aware of what it means to be loved by God. And that, brothers and sisters, changes everything. We just have, I mean, if we're dunked in that water, our, our understanding of ourselves, the, uh, the world, of God, of other people, completely changes. Completely changes. At our core. Um, so, a little testament of my life. I um, went to college um, ready to start living differently. High school didn't go super well. Um, I was... And I was going a different direction in my life. And things kind of spiraled downwards. By an act of God's grace, I decided to um, join a military program at Texas A&M and not do the fraternity life, um, which, was, which was really an act of grace. And so I went to school. Didn't really, I was connected to my faith in college. I went to a Catholic high school, actually, but I had a bunch of Cistercian monks, and they were more academic than spiritual. Um, that's, that's not fair to say. They tried. I didn't listen. <laughs> But I went to school, and uh, I just I knew I wanted to start living differently. And God was pretty speaking pretty clearly in my life, and I actually had a profound conversion. I was went to my 8 a.m. physics class, got back, sat down on my desk. I had like two hours for my next class. I'm like, what the hell am I going to do for the next two hours? Like college is new. This is college. I was like, well, might as well read the Bible my mom packed for me. And then I was like, I know how to pray the rosary, so I started doing that. And the first day I did that, brothers and sisters, like God just like was like. This is where you need to be. He didn't speak it, but I just had so much peace and conviction that this is what I have to do every single day. It was like there's like no shaking. So I was like, okay, I'll do it the next day. Um, so I just I started doing that. God just like transformed my life. I had all these realizations and convictions. Like my phrase that year was like all for Him. I was like, yeah, let's go all in. So I started getting involved with the Catholic Center. Started leading retreats on the weekends. Um, went to going to Bible studies. Um, I stopped saying curse words and substituting them for other less, less bad words. <laughs> like, uh, and uh, there was a lot of stuff moving in my life. It's a powerful conversion, right? And, uh, but the problem was, like, maybe once or twice a month, I still go to my buddy's dorm and spend the night around his, peop- his buddies, and it's kind of like the same old, same old. Um, it was the drinking, it was smoking, and it was, it was um, the social life. And I'd go, to, I'd go to Mass on Sunday and be like, what am I doing? Like, it's ridiculous. And I go back to prayer on Monday, and God just like, Welcome back. Let's do this. Let's go. And I'm like, yeah, I get back from the swing of things and we're rolling and we're going. We're pedaling really fast downhill. And then same old, same old. Like hit a wall. Um, it just like wasn't connected. And like over, I go to confession. It's over and over again. It was just like back and forth. I was getting like, I was getting thrown around a lot. But again, every time God would just welcomed me back and we get back on the wagon again. And I mean, it wasn't like God was speaking. He was. But I just, there was just something missing. Um, and then uh, that summer, uh, away from school, just kept spiraling downwards. Really, my life looked like it was in high school. But I went to um, I went to uh, the school of evangelization in Minnesota because um, I felt called to. My buddy invited me. It was me and him and a bunch of Minnesotans and Ohioans. And it was there that I heard about baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I just at that point in my life, I was just fed up with the back and forth. I was fed up with the, the two faced I was trying to do this on my own. And like, to be honest with you, like outward appearances, I was doing okay. Like. I looked like I had my stuff together, but there was just like tension inside of me. It just wasn't all clicking. And it killed me. And it was there that um, I just heard this preaching like, like God wants all your heart. And I was like, yeah, I want to give him all my heart. I've been trying to do that. It's not working. And then baptism of the Holy Spirit as, was presented to me as like a key for that. 
something that like God can like stir up baptismal graces and like make His Spirit alive in my life. I was like, sign me up for that. And um, yeah, I prayed with one time and it was kind of confusing. And then I was expressing this frustration to a, to a buddy outside a seminary chapel one night. He's like, well, let's go pray about it now. So I went to this side chapel, this seminary, and um, I was getting prayed with. And I don't know how to describe it, but I just like, um, I, was, I think I was like actually on the ground. Uh, that I experienced this like light come inside of me and like explode all over me. And I get up and I start praying in tongues. I start worshiping God. And it wasn't like, I, I, kind of, I knew what was happening. But it was just like, it was such a joy inside of me that I was just like praising God and it didn't really matter what I was saying because I didn't really care. I just wanted God to be praised from the depths of my soul. And it was this freedom I experienced and like I knew God the Father loved me and that nothing else mattered. And then, um, we went outside and a bunch of us were like praying in adoration afterwards, just kind of sitting there silently. And I just had this experience of like, that is my father. Like, God is my father and my whole life belongs to him. And it's, it was a radical orient, uh, reorientation of my life. There's this joy. And I uh, went back to school and just like stopped going out, hanging out with that buddy on the weekends. Not that we didn't fr- aren't friends anymore. Actually, I talked to him today on the phone. Um, he's one of my best friends, but I just didn't hang out with him on the weekends. I knew that didn't go anywhere. And for the first time in my life, I'm a pretty social guy. I stayed in my room on Friday nights. So like, Jesus, you're more valuable. I got nothing better to do tonight. I don't want to get in trouble. My whole orientation in my life changed. All my priorities, understanding. I knew how to evangelize just like magically. I wasn't great at it, but I just understood the need. And I just like did it. It's like, I don't want this person come to mass with me. This person needs to about Jesus. They don't. My whole life changed. My prayer life, I catapulted. I wake up before um, I had to, with a military program, just to pray literally the hours. So I was just so hungry for God. I wanted more. The scriptures came alive for me. And I was reading them like it was a letter to me. This, brothers and sisters, is what we call a new heart. This is, this is what God actually promises us in Ezekiel. So you guys, we talked about this actually at formation last year a little bit. In the church and charismatic talk. But you guys know Pentecost is an Old Testament feast. Right? Pentecost is an Old Testament thing the Jews celebrated. Now, in the Old Testament, we obviously have a film of it. In the Old Testament, Pentecost was the celebration of God giving the law on Mount Sinai. It's, it was 50 days after Passover. Um, and they celebrated that when God said, I'm going to make you my own people, um, a people set apart, a holy nation. And he wrote the law on stone tablets, right? That's what God did on, on Sinai. And that's what the Israelites celebrated at Pentecost. Excuse me. Well, the new Pentecost... God doesn't write the law on tablets of stone. He writes the law on our hearts. Our hearts are turned towards God. We're filled with the Holy Spirit and we want to follow him. It makes sense. It clicks. The Holy Spirit comes to the aid of our weakness. All right? So the Holy Spirit is the new law. That's what Paul talks about in Romans. Read Romans in a new light. Ask the Holy Spirit to teach you Romans. That is some sick stuff there. So Ezekiel says, I will make, this is what God says, I will make a new covenant with my people. I will write my law on their heart. I will give you a new heart and I will put my spirit in you and you can keep my laws and my commands. God says he will give us new hearts. And that's what this baptism of the Holy Spirit is accomplishing all over the world is this new heart. Because I was converted, right? I was praying every day. I was trying, but it just didn't make sense. And then God did something powerful that changed the orientation of my heart. Like, he did something there, but he did even more. Like, God, is, there's so much more for us, but this is what I want to say. There's so much more than we understand the thing. So, yeah, there's this experience, too. Ken and Lisa talks about this. I'll just mention it briefly. 
that before we experience this, um, this new life, because sometimes I think that God hates fun, that God's holding out on me. You know, like, yeah, like God's great, but like, if I give him everything, he's going to screw me over. Like, he doesn't really have my back. When we experience baptism of the Holy Spirit, brothers and sisters, God becomes your life. Like, God is my life. And not that we, like, hand over everything in one instant, but we just make sense why we would. Because you know how good God is, you know how powerful he is, and you know he has your back no matter what. So you start making more an offering to him. You say yes in little ways. You say yes in bigger ways. And he takes you on the path. Because it makes sense. Because you know God isn't a fun sucker who's going to like leave you out somewhere to dry. He's going to have your back no matter what. And this is an experience you have. It's a knowledge you have. And you know it, the depths of your being. So Hannah Lisa says, when we experience this, we grow out of love, not out of fear. The sacraments, they come alive for us in a new way. And the God becomes your life. And you feel the need to live in his love. So how do we get this? It's heart surgery, brothers and sisters. How do you conduct heart surgery? If you had to get heart surgery tomorrow, what would you do, Daniel? You wouldn't do it yourself, would you? No. No, that'd be ridiculous. You would... Unless I didn't like them, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, someone else. But if you personally had to get heart surgery done, you wouldn't do it yourself. It's just, and this is the same with this. Like, we're not the ones who do this. This is the Holy Spirit. God does this. So there's two things we need. Two things. We need to recognize we need a new heart. That's like a prerequisite to heart surgery. Like, yeah, I need heart surgery. Like, sign me up. So let me go. And then we have to be willing to accept one. That's it. Those are the two steps. Um, we need a new heart. We have to be willing to accept one. And in faith. So, I think the, uh, what's saturated in all this experience and all this, it, it's humility. And that's what I want to kind of leave us with here. Where are we at with time? I don't even know. Hey Siri, show me the time. All right, it's good. We're doing good. Um, humility. Humility. Again, this isn't SPO is a wise plan. This is what God's doing in the church. Again, I don't understand this. Like, I, I'm not going to write a book about it. Um, there's people a lot smarter than me that dug a lot deeper into this. I've been reading some of the articles today. It's, it's been awesome. Um, but we stand on the shoulders of what God has been doing in the world and in his church. And we're going to offer this to people um, in the power of the Holy Spirit in two, day, two weeks and one day from now. And that we as a people can actually grow in a faith, an expectant faith that God could work. Because we know Capernaum, shout out to the boys, uh, God, like, it actually says, God did work, God's great, but some, he couldn't work miracles in his hometown, right? Because of people's lack of faith. So if we as a community go on fan to flame, like, maybe God will do something, that's actually not honoring God. Because God is faithful. God is faithful. Two verses. Um, Sirach 2. Consider the ancient generations and see. Whoever trusted in the Lord and was put to shame. Whoever persevered in his commandments and was forsaken. Whoever called upon him and was overlooked, for the Lord is compassionate and merciful. He forgives sins and saves in times of affliction. He is the shield of all who seek him in truth. <laughs> when has God ever let us down? Consider the generations past. Luke eleven eleven. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... 
how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? God wants to deliver. That's his heart for us. He says here, God wants to give you the Holy Spirit more than you can imagine. More than a father wants, father wants good things for his kid, the father wants to give you the Holy Spirit. That's his heart for us. So we have to believe that God is faithful. He wants to do this. So we have to come up, we have to realize that God's going to do it. He's promised he's going to deliver. This is, this is, this is what he does. And does that mean we know what it's going to look like every time? No. It's ridiculous. We can't control God. But we do know that God will come. If a heart asks for it, if we say yes to heart surgery, and we recognize we, we need a heart and say yes to heart surgery, God is going to do heart surgery. Amen? Amen. 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 So, again, the thrust of all this is, uh, is humility. Apparently, Father gave a pretty dynamite homily today about not being presumptuous. The guy wasn't there, but Anna told me about it. Um, I got to do this sheet still. Yeah, fire. Straight fire, Father Paul. Um, no, it's good. So, as we, um, yeah, let's, let's do that. Um, this humility, uh, the image I want to give us is dry sticks. Dry sticks. We're talking like uh, um, Ezekiel stuff. It's a great story in scriptures you read it. But it's the fire of God is going to ignite. Here, maybe this. Uh, someone's telling me today, it was Michael, that they have a sweet video of Katie Huddeman lighting a match and throwing it on a Christmas tree, and the Christmas tree just explodes in flames. You guys ever lit a, a dead Christmas tree on fire before? Mm-hmm. Who's done that? It's sweet. Highly recommend. It goes like 20 feet in the air, and it doesn't take long at all. You just toss a match on it, and it explodes. We want to be a dead Christmas tree. <laughs> that's, that's what I want to propose to us. We want to actually... Um, and how we do that, brothers and sisters, is humility. is taking the low place. Realizing, I don't know everything, but I know God is bigger than me, and I know I want more of him. And maybe I don't 100% understand it, but I know he knows more than me, even though I don't live like that all the time, but I want more of what he has for me. I want heart surgery. And that's dry wood, this thirsting, this yearning for more of the Lord. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. Satisfied. So that's my invitation for us um, to make this gift of self. This can look like uh, um, us thinking about ourselves less. Because I'm like, God, I think you have my back, so I'm going to live like you have my back here until you actually show up in power in my life. I'm going to think in our prayer just begging him for more of a spirit. Um, it could look like us actually taking a step, meeting open. Maybe it's actually reading Acts 2 and placing ourselves in that situation. Because, brother, sisters, whenever we read Acts 2, like, God... That scene is like brought to now. The Holy Spirit, the, the potency of that scripture verse is brought to our current situation now. So maybe it's that. Maybe it's um, reconciling with someone that we have wronged, that we're just kind of like holding at arm's length right now. Uh, maybe it's going to someone that we've wronged and asking for forgiveness. Um, whatever it is, that, these are things that can help us create some dry wood um, in our lives that God can ignite. Basically, we're expressing our need for him, expressing that we're not the center of creation, expressing that we don't have it all figured out, and we desperately need more of God. These little acts of faith, these little things we can do. So, brothers and sisters, our call is to be more like Jesus, not not just in theory, but actually, to be transformed into the image of Jesus.
And it's this denying of the flesh to live according to the spirit. It's this death of the old man so that we can rise. I'm going to read Romans 8 so we can understand what the Holy Spirit can accomplish in the power of these words. He says, uh, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. For those who live according to the spirit set their minds on things of the spirit. To set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set in the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. These are like, it's like intense statements there. Those in the flesh cannot please God. You're like, what the heck? This is like what I got. What do you, what do you want from me, God? But what he's saying here, that the, the, the severity and difficulty of these words should show us there's an equally powerful response that God has for us to rise above um, living for the flesh. That this new heart that's created in us actually draws us to the Lord. And we start to see the world through his perspective. We start to gladly ask him, Lord, what do you think about this situation? God, what are you asking of me here? But how can I serve today? But how do you want me to lay down my life today? Not like, how can I be most effective? Okay, I got this checklist. Like, checklists are fine. Like, they're good and fine. They're not against God's kingdom. But if we live only by checklists, brothers and sisters, and only on this fleshy, like, earthly level, like, I'm building my little empire, we're not living life of the Spirit. We're not. We're crowding up, we're crowding up the Lord. And it's not, not to condemn anybody here. Like, God knows I have my days like that. But you have to come back to who's at the center of it all. God, it's your spirit. Like, you set this whole thing up. And when I'm plugged into you, I'm living differently. I'm seeing the world differently. I'm loving those in my life differently. I'm serving differently. We have a tendency to take back control. And God just wants to gently remind us, give the control back to me. Give me your life. I want to build something that you haven't even thought possible before. These words are difficult, but how much more powerful is God's grace to bring them about in our life if these words are difficult? And that's what I want to leave us with today. That's the dry wood, um, this yearning, this desire. More would you have for me, God. Um, light me up. Let's do some heart surgery, um, maybe even tonight.